Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. just want to greet the believers. I know I'm speaking to an invisible uh, audience and I just want to say uh, shalom. Now, Sunday morning, especially the Sunday of the Easter, it is a very, it's a, it's a milestone for the Christian community. And I think Revers just indicated that they had soldiers uh, 2,000 years ago to guard to the tomb to make sure that there is no testimony that will come from his resurrection. And it's quite amazing that 2,000 years later, we've got soldiers that are all over the place uh, trying to prevent again the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, to them, they mean good, but they don't know that... Uh, uh, in them trying to manage COVID-19, on the other side, uh, 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 they, they seem to be wanting to prevent the believers from uh, testifying about the Lord. But there is nothing that will stop the believer from testifying about the Lord. Let me invite you to the reading of the Bible. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew 28, verse 1. I'm going to read from Matthew 28. Verse 1, it reads in this manner, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. Now, the critical thing is that it was in the end of the Sabbath. Now, I want to read again Mark 16, verse 1. Mark 16, verse 1, it reads in this manner, and when the Sabbath was passed, that means it was after the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, I'm going to read the last scripture uh, in Luke 24, verse 1. Luke 24, verse 1. It reads in this manner, if it is found. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the spalter, uh, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. Now, again, here it speaks about the first day, which means it was after the Sabbath. Now, let us just bow our heads for the blessing of the reading of the way to gracious Heavenly Father. We appreciate you this morning for making it possible for us to meet you here virtually. Believers are out in their homes, dear God, but they felt the need that we should gather virtually and still that the way it should go forth, dear God. Allow me to stand here and be under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. Circumcise my lips as you circumcise their ears. I commit everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, 
while we are there i don't know uh, 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 Pastor, if you can just give me an indication, maybe a gesture to say I'm audible. Amen. Great stuff. Let me carry on. Now, I want I want to speak on a subject: the new creation, the new creation. That is my subject this morning, and it is inspired by the Easter weekend, knowing that this. Morning, he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. The grave could not contain him, which gives us an assurance that one day the grave will not contain us as uh, the believers. Amen. Now, the prophet, if you can just bring that first quotation, uh, uh, man of God, the future home of the heavenly bridegroom, uh, paragraph 223. 223 in the message, the future home. If I could see it on the screen so that I know that everybody is following what we are speaking about. Now, in this message, while it's being brought up, but I'll carry on. The prophet of God says, seven days watch, which pass away, or I have said will change to another. Eight days deals Hallelujah. Eight days deals with new creation. See, not old creation. Eight days is new creation. Now, paragraph 224, the prophet say, For it was on the eighth day that our Lord raised from the dead. Now, the prophet is already telling you, Jesus did not rise on the second day, the third day, the fourth day. He did not rise on the seventh day. He rose on the eighth day. Now he says, For it was on the eighth day that our Lord raised from the dead. There is your other convocation, the holiness, not considering the Sabbath at all, or the feast of the tabernacles, feast of this, or the feast of the Pentecostal. Jesus raised from the dead for our justification on the eighth day, after the seventh Sabbath, or after the seven days, seven church ages, Jesus raised from the dead, eighth day, which is a holy convocation, see, which is the first day. Now, the prophet of God says, you have Sunday, which is the first day of the week. Then you've got Monday, which is the second day of the week. And the third day of the week, it is Tuesday. The fourth is Wednesday. Hallelujah. The fifth is Thursday. The sixth is Friday. Then Saturday, it is the seventh day. Now, the prophet of God says, when you count from the first and you reach the seventh, when you reach the eighth, you can't go further. After the seventh, you come back to the first day. Hallelujah. Now, what does it mean? Brother Bram says, when you go beyond the seventh day, it brings you back to the first day. And it says the first day speaks of eternity. Now, Jesus did not resurrect in time. If we speak in shadows, he rose beyond the time because Jesus is a creator of eternity. Hallelujah. Let me just read this so that you can follow. Now, the eighth day was very critical. The eighth day, the males in the Old Testament, 
they were circumcised on the eighth day. Now, the eighth day had to do with doing away with the flesh. Now, again, when you go and check, the prophet of God says the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost and he calls that the eighth day. He says because it was on the 50th day when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. And it says the 50th, it means before there were seven Sabbaths. Uh, Sabbaths, hallelujah. Because what is happening, that means seven times seven, it gives you 49. Then after the 49th day, on the 50th, which is Jubilee, then we see, hallelujah, we see the Holy Ghost coming to indwell the church. Hallelujah. Now, the prophet says here, I want to quote him verbatim, in the future home, paragraph 231, he says, and notice, after 50, 50 days, or seven Sabbath from there, again there came another holy convocation. What happened? The Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, on the seventh day, or on the eighth day, rather, eighth day, fell on the eighth day was seven Sabbaths later, exactly after his resurrection. So it would be seven times that and bring it right back around to the first day of the week again. Hallelujah. Now the Holy Ghost came on the eighth day. Jesus rose on the eighth day. Now the eighth day, Brother Bramsey, it speaks about eternity. Don't forget, I'm speaking about a new creation. Now I want to read a quotation in the message, The Future Home Again, or rather the, the Laodicean Church Age, which is the Seven Church Age book. Hallelujah. The prophet of God says in that message, he says, but now he is standing in the midst of the church. As he stands there, revealing who he is in this last age, he calls himself the author of the creation of God. This is another creation. Hallelujah. This has to do with the church. The new creation that I'm speaking about, it has to do with the church. And it says, this is a special designation of himself. He is the creator of that church. This morning, let me remind you, you are a create his own creation. But now you are a new creation. Hallelujah. He says he is the creator of that church. The, then he says the heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. Now this is very critical. The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. What does it mean? We are not a product of a seminary. We are not a product of another man's ministry. We are a product of the bridegroom. And when we say you are his in his own creation, if the bride is his own creation, that means he designed the bride exactly according to his own specification. That means everything that he needs, he has already put in the bride. If he needs faith, faith is already in the bride. If he needs resilience, resilience is already in the bride. If he needs holiness, holiness is already in the bride. If he needs divine healing, 
divine healing is already in the bride. Whatever he needs, it's already available in the members of the bride because the heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. This is the message. This is the message on its own to know that he himself is responsible for his own church. Glory be to God. Now he says, the heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. And the Spirit of God, he came down and created in the Virgin Mary the cells from which his body was born. I want to repeat that. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to give life to a human ovum supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing a body. Now, if you remember, this body that was offered as a sacrifice, Brother Brenham says there was not even a drop of Mary's blood in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Mary was a Jew, and Jesus was neither a Jew nor a Gentile. Hallelujah. Now, what it tells you is that we were not redeemed by the blood of the Jews. We were not redeemed by the blood of the Gentiles. We were redeemed by the pure blood of Jesus Christ. The pure blood of God himself in human flesh. Hallelujah. Now he continues, he says, he says, that would have been sinful mankind producing a body. That would have not produced the last Adam. Of him it was said, lo, a body has thou, Father, prepared for me. God, hallelujah, not Mary, provided that body. It had nothing to do with Mary. We know it had nothing to do with Joseph. Now here, it had nothing to do with Mary. Mary was just, for a lack of a better way, she was just a wrapper of a gift. And you know, when a gift is sent to you, and you receive the gift, you do not idolize the wrapper. What's happening? You receive the gift, then you unwrap the gift, then you put away the wrapper away and embrace the gift, appreciate the gift, and own the gift because the wrapper is not the gift. But you can never receive, glory be to God, a gift without a wrapper. Now, that's, this is where Catholic got it wrong because they received the gift. But they put away the gift aside. They embraced the rapper. They worshipped the rapper. And they said, Vision, send Vision Mary. But you as Christians, you know, Mary had nothing to do with it. Mary had to be born again like everybody else. Mary had to go to Pentecost and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost like everybody else. Therefore, Mary has got nothing to do with our Lord. And actually, I can take it further. When we say Mary was the mother of our Lord. We are just being figure. We are just being kind. But this God, that body comes from God and God alone. Glory be to God. Now let me continue, continue here and not get excited. Brother Branham says, God, not Mary, provided that body. Mary was the human incubator. She carried that holy ch- Hallelujah. Let me see. Mary was the human incubator. She carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was God man. He was the son of God. He was of the new creation. 
God, man and God met and joined. He was the first of the new race. He is the head of this new race. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminency. Second Corinthians 5.17 He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation all things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, let me remind you, you cannot, you cannot be in Christ and still be an old creation. Once you are in Christ, you are now a new creation. And let Brother Branham has taught us when he spoke about the invisible union of the bride in that message, he mentioned something very critical. He says you, you cannot be married to Christ when your old husband is still alive. He says because what it requires is that the old husband must die first. Hallelujah. He must not faint. He must die. Because if you put him in a coma, there are chances that he will snap out of the coma. And Jesus can never be married to somebody whose old husband is still alive. Satan has got to die in your life. Old ways have got to die. Old habits have got to die. And once they are dead and you are a new creation, then you can be married to Christ. Glory be to God. God Jesus is not an adulterer. He will never marry you when your old husband is still around. Because when your old husband is still around, there is a likelihood that you may be reconciled for, to your old husband. Glory be to God. Let me carry on. Then it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There you can see that through man was of the old order or creation. Hallelujah. You can, there you can see that though man was of the old order or creation, now in union with Christ, he has become the new creation of God. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in union with Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 4.24 He says that, that, and that he put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This new creation... Is not the old creation made over. We don't take you and make you over. You must be a new creation. It doesn't speak about renovation here. You must be a new creation. Then he continues the man of God. He says, this new creation is not the old creation made over. Or it could not be called a new creation. Creation is not the old creation made over, or it could not be called new creation. This is exactly what it is. New creation. It is another creation distinct from the old one. Hallelujah. You, you must remember, when you are a new creation, 
you are a, a new creature. You must be distinct from the old creation. You cannot come and be born again and be in the message and still behave like your uncle. Hallelujah. You can't be in the message and still behave like your aunt and still boost and say, look, we, we the so-and-so, we are impatient by nature. We are not interested in your family spirit. The new birth has got to break your family spirit. You've got to be different from your old, your own people. You can't look like your old people. Because when you come and become a new creature, you look like Jesus Christ. Then it says, this is exactly what it is. New creation. It is, it is another creation distinct from the old one. No longer is he dealing by ways of the flesh. That was how he dealt with Israel. He chose Abraham, Abraham and of Abraham's issue through the godly Isaac line. But now, hallelujah, but now out of every kindred, tribe, a nation, he has purposed a new creation. He is the first of that creation. He was God, he was God created in the form of man. Now, by his spirit, he is creating many sons unto himself. Oh, glory be to God. Then he says, God the creator, creating himself a part of his creation. This is the true revelation of God. This was his purpose. This purpose took form through election. That is why he could look right down to the last age when all would be over and see himself still in the midst of the church as the author of this new creation of God. His sovereign power brought it to pass. By his own decree, he elected the members of this new creation. Glory be to God. Now, the prophet of God. Now, there is something very striking that I just want to take you through 2,000 years ago what happened. It was on a Friday afternoon and we know what was happening Thursday a night before, but Friday Jesus was taken to Golgotha, ultimately was taken to Calvary. He was crucified. Now, let us be reminded of the state in which he was in when he was crucified. He was crushed. He was beaten. He was broken. He was bruised. That, that is the state in which he was in. Until the prophet of God says, although he was 33, but he looked like a 50-year-old man, because of the stress and the strain that was upon him. Bear with that. Now, here is Jesus in this undesirable condition. But on Sunday morning, hallelujah, I can imagine the disciples, the last, the last sight that they had of Jesus, he was hanging there on the cross, and he was there screaming at the top of his voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he was in a state that it was undesirable. It was not appealing in any way. But on Sunday morning, when the woman went to the tomb, now when they got to the tomb, 
We are told that they mistook him for a gardener. They mistook him for a young man. On Friday afternoon, he looked like an old man. He was crucified, broken. But on Sunday morning, he looked fresh. Until they mistook him for a young gardener. What was happening? God was transitioning the old to the new. God was showing the church that although we age in this body, but there's coming a time where we will move from an old age to the brilliancy of our youth. Glory be to God. Let me come here. Person, just bring this scripture here in St. John. St. John 15, verse 16. Right here, the scripture says, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Say, If thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary, glory be to God. Now, when, 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 when Mary looked at this being that was before her, this being did not resemble the picture that she last saw on Friday. This being has, had gone through a, po- a process of transformation. And when she looked, she could not recognize Jesus. But there is a way that Jesus called Mary which was very distinct. There is a tone that Jesus used to call Mary until it brought Mary to a realization that although my eyesight cannot recognize him, but there is a way that he called me and the one that can only call me in this way has got to be the Messiah. Glory be to God. You and I, as his children in the last day, we were called in a certain way. We looked at him. People saw a Kentuckian man. But we know that our Messiah embodied the Kentuckian man. And he began to speak to us. And when he spoke to us, that's why Brother Bram said, the breaking of the seals is the calling out of names. That means he spoke to you in a very distinct manner. You heard his voice and knew that the only person that could call me out in this way has got to be the Messiah. There is a tone that he uses when he calls his own. Glory be to God. Now, coming to this weekend, there is something that I want to say, very controversial. But I'm going to say it. I'd rather be found with a prophet that is wrong. A God sent prophet that is wrong. Than to be found with somebody that is not sent by God. But that seems right. I'll repeat my controversial statement. I'd rather be found with a God sent prophet that is wrong than to be found with somebody that sounds right, but is not sent by God. Let me tell you why. God will never disown his prophet. That is one thing. And let me take it first. Even when his prophet is wrong, 
God takes the accountability of his prophet mistakes. And those that believe in that prophet will not be punished because of the mistakes of that prophet. So when you say the prophet made mistakes, leave me alone with the mistakes of the prophet. I'm in the right camp. Let me show you why I say so. God says to Moses, you must strike the rock once. Moses, out of anger and out of pressure, because of there are many frustrations in a leader's heart, out of the frustrations, Moses hit the rock not once but twice, which then, at that current moment, it was an anti-time because Jesus was supposed to die and rise just once. Hallelujah. But Moses, he struck the rock one, twice, not once. But we only understand it in the end time that Moses' mistakes, although it looked like a mistake, but it was not a mistake. Because in the end time, a man comes on the podium and he says, allow me to indict this generation for the second crucifixion. Hallelujah. For the second crucifixion, Moses hit the rock once. The rock symbolizes Christ. Moses hit the rock once, twice, instead of once. But God knew that Moses is wrong. But there is a way that God was going to correct Moses' mistake. And in the end time, Brother Branham comes to show you that Moses, although he was wrong, but he was not wrong. When the prophet is wrong, he may look wrong, but he is not wrong. He is still in God's perfect way. Glory be to God. Now, through that we understand. I want to bring it to the end. We are now looking at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Yes, he died 2,000 years ago on a Friday. Yes, he went into the tomb. Yes, he went into the pits of hell. Yes, he went and took the keys of the trinity of Satan from him, the which is death, the grave, hallelujah, the death, the grave, and hell. He took those keys away from him. This is 2,000 years ago, hallelujah. Then on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead, hallelujah. Now, let's bring it up. Now, the prophet tells you, he says, I want to indict this generation for the second crucifixion of Christ. Now, if there is a second, if there is a second crucifixion, allow me to say there must be a second resurrection. Hallelujah. The first resurrection, the first crucifixion was of the body. But after the body was crucified and was put into the tomb, but that body, because it was God's anointed body, within 72 hours, it rose again. Now, in the end time, the weight was crucified and the weight was put into the denominational graves. But thank be to God, the weight will not remain there forever. There's got to be the resurrection again. Not of the way of the body, but now of the way. Brother Bram spoke about the bleeding way. Yes, the body bled, but in the end time, the way to bled. And you are washed by that way. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let me... I'm getting excited here. Let's, let's, let's bring it up, Rev. In the message... 
The indictment, paragraph 68. The indictment, paragraph 68. The prophet says, And my indictment is against the churches of today. Oh, brother. I'm not bringing the sinner into this. Remember, Jesus was not crucified by thugs. Jesus was not crucified by drunkards. Jesus was crucified by holy men in a holy place, Jerusalem. Glory be to God. The more, Brother Brenham speaks about a phrase, there they crucified him. He says there, the most holy city, they, the most holy people, crucified him, the most holy one. Hallelujah. And if as it was, so shall it be. In the end time, the weight will not be crucified by the drunkards. The weight will not be crucified by the prostitute. The weight will be crucified by the holy man in inverted command. That is why this message today, when you preach it to the drunkard, they say there is something different about this. But when you preach it to the men that are in churches, a lot of times they want to debate with it because that's the people that are crucifying him for the second time. Then it says, my indictment is against the churches of today. I'm not bringing the sinner into this. I'm speaking this to the church. It, and it says, it's to be in the tapes. I'll try to get through as quick as I can. I indict this generation for the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is the prophet telling you that in the end time, there is now another crucifixion. But before I get here, David speaks about something in Psalm 8 verse 4. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him. Now, let's put it this way. When man, when the angels fell, when two-thirds of the angels in heaven fell, and they were hooked by Lucifer's tail, not tail, T-A-I-L, tail, T-A-L-E. When they were hooked by his tail, and they fell and they lost their original estate. God, it, it never moved God even once. But when man fell, hallelujah, when angels fell, God never moved. But when man fell, it moved God. God had to leave the corridors of eternity. God had to come and put a body of flesh. God had to go and be manhandled by the human race. God had to go to Golgotha. God had to go to Calvary. And God had to be crucified. Why was God so mindful of a man? Let us return back to the in the Garden of Eden. When God looks at an angel, God does not see himself. The mirror of God is a man. Whenever God wanted to look at himself, he came in the cool of the day to look at a man called Adam. 
And when Adam wanted to look at himself, Adam's mirror was God. And God's mirror was Adam. But the sin, Brother Bram says, sin matched the image. It spoiled the image. It broke the image. But God said, I am longing for the old days. I'm longing for the time when I can come and look at a man and see myself in a man. And God was longing for the time when a man will come before God and see himself. If you don't believe this, let me bring it up to you. Moses sees the pillar of fire. Moses sees the cloud. Moses sees the burning bush. But Moses, after he had seen those things, he still says to God, I want to see you. Why did not God say to Moses, but I was a pillar of fire, but I was the pillar of cloud. Why do you still insist that you want to see me because you have seen the pillar of fire, you have seen the cloud. God doesn't say that. He says he knew the desire of Moses. He knew that Moses wanted to have a divine mirror where he can look at himself. Glory be to God. Now he says, stand behind the rock, you will see me passing by. And Moses stands behind the rock, he sees the back part of an image of a man, not of an angel, of a man. Oh, be glory be to God. Now, here is something very interesting. Moses saw the back part of the man. But in the end time, If you see the back part of a man, it means the man is moving towards a different direction. He is not coming towards you. If you see my back and I'm moving, that means I'm moving away from you. Hallelujah. But in the end time, you and I did not see the back part of a man. In the end time, hallelujah, we saw the face of a man. Because in the end time, he was coming to us. Glory be to God. Person, bring another quotation. In the message, the future hope. Now, this is something that we need to show what happened. Brother Branham says, you were thrown into the devil, you were thrown into a pawn shop by Satan, or bring the Redeemer up, Redeemer, Redemption, preach this on the 19th of November. He says, 1951, he says, paragraph 54, what did he, he redeem? He redeemed your soul from hell. He redeemed and brought it back Everything that Adam lost. (laughs) Everything that Adam lost. What did Adam lose? Adam lost the Godship. What did Adam lose? Adam lost the dominion. But the prophet said everything, not partly, everything that Adam lost, when he put you in the pawn shop, Jesus Christ on Calvary was your king's man redeemer that redeemed you from every curse of the devil. He redeems your soul. He redeems your sick body. He redeems your weary 
and dreary spirit. He brought you happiness. He brought you joy. He, that's what the redemption brought you. Brought you peace, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, power. The Holy Spirit brought you divine healing. All these things Jesus Christ brought to you because he was our kinsman redeemer. Brother Bram says we were in a pawn shop. The devil had put us in a pawn shop. But Jesus redeemed us back from the pawn shop. And I'm coming to this quote, the future home, paragraph 181. The prophet says, One time, one time, I was his property. Who? Whose property? Satan's property. One time I was his property, but not now. Oh, this, this I, I wish it could resonate with every believer. Yes, before he died and rose again, Satan could lay a claim on you. But after his resurrection, you can as well proclaim these words and say one time I was his property, but not now. Oh, brother, this, 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 we can even take it to the parents. The parents have got the prerogative to say to Satan, these children of mine, one time they were your property, but not now. One time my house was your property, but not now. One time my marriage was your property, but not now. One time, even we as ministers, we could say over the church, one time the church was your property, but not now. And the prophet said, one time, that little woman was his property, but not now. See, he came to lose the grip of it. The Calvary, it means Satan lost the grip of a believer. Calvary, it means now you've got a right to rise up. You know, we have been saving Satan for long. And Calvary, it means Jubilee. And Brother Brown said, during the time of Jubilee, you would be busy, maybe a slave would be busy plowing there. But as soon as the Jubilee trumpet sounded, right there, that slave could look the master in the eye and drop the hole on the, on the ground and say, I am done. And the master had no claim over the slave because the jubilee trumpet had sounded. Now the slave could look at the master and say, one time I was your property, but not now. Every believer today can look at the devil and say, one time I was your property, but not now. He says one time, that little woman was his property, but not now. See, he came to lose the grip of it. He loosened the grip of sin, of Satan, upon my life, upon your life. Now we are no longer his. Have you often heard me say in prayer, take your hands of God's property. See, amen, faith. Have faith to claim your own. That's your rights. Take your hands of her. Take your hands of him. See, faith will do it. Now, on this morning, he rose from the dead. 
And as a result, we can adjust Satan. Get your hands of God's property. Get your hands of God's people. Get your hands of God's children. Get your hands of God's because the body of a man is the temple of God. If your body is sick this morning, I have a right to say, Satan, get your dirty hands of him. Get your dirty hands of her. Get your dirty hands of the church. That, that is our jurisdiction. Calvary has given us the scriptural authority. Because it has now reconciled men and God again. And I believe this morning... As it was when the slaves were released in America. After Abraham Lincoln had signed that proclamation. And it was said on the rising of the sun, you are free. And we are told some of them got to the mountain. Brother Ron says somewhere at the bottom of the mountain. Somewhere came in the middle of the mountain. Some went to the top of the mountain. They were waiting for the rising of the sun. And when the sun came, those that were at the top of the mountain, they screamed and their sound, their, their scream reverberated through the mountain and reached those down there that had not yet seen the sun rising. But they knew that if those on top saw it, it means the sun indeed is rising. And they were screaming and saying, we are free, we are free. And it reverberated throughout. And this morning, Others that have got a mountaintop experience. Hallelujah. Well, you see, Moses had a mountaintop experience, which was Mount Sinai. Jesus had a mountaintop experience. It was Calvary. You and I have got a mountaintop experience. It is Sunset Mountain. And this morning we can shout at the top of our voices and say, We are free. We are free. This will go to every drunkard. This will go to every sinner. This will go to every make-believer. They will know, the people know that he has risen. He has risen. He has risen from the dead. The grave could not contain him. And the grave will never continue as a child of God. Let us rejoice. God bless.